Welcome back to another beautiful Sunday afternoon. If you don't know where you are, you are at the Rainy Day Horror Show with the best horror podcast in the fucking space-time continuum, okay? I am Dusty McBalls, alright? And I am the certified cougar hunter. And I am the man with the biggest set of two marbles just fucking placed in a sack that you could ever have, alright? Is that self-proclaimed? Yes, it is, alright? Am I compensating for something? Definitely, totally am, alright? Now, on today's episode, it's going to be, you know, if it's going to be a little bit of a horror story for you people that work either with heavy machinery or anything that could take your life or chop off a limb, all right? The first story we have is about Natalie Nemitz. She was a worker in Russia at a factory, a candy factory, and she ended up dying on the job. And then the second story takes place in Japan with a guy named Hisashi Auchi. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry, I just want to put this out there. I'm going to fuck up some of these pronunciations, okay? So, I'm just putting that out there. Sorry if it bothers you and sorry if it offends you. I don't mean to, okay? And his story, he gets fucking hit with a shit ton of radiation and it was a torturous 83 days for him. He eventually passed away, but it was awful for what he went through. And I can imagine it was awful for Natalie and what she went through too. So, just going to put that out there. This is These are both awful stories. Now, before we get into these two beautiful stories, well, not really beautiful, but tragic stories, put your Crocs on, all right? Set them bitches in adventure mode. We're traveling the world today. We're going to two different... Con- I was about to say continents, but I didn't mean continents. I meant countries. We're going to two different countries, okay? Now, without further ado, let's get into the two horror story workplace Stories, whatever. Allow myself to introduce myself. I'm sorry, sir. Well, I won't lie to you. Cards are not my bag, baby. Allow myself to introduce myself. My name is Richie Cunningham, and this is my wife, Oprah. Austin Powers. Great movie. Go check it out. But yes, without further ado, let's jump into it. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. And, yeah. Alright, you ready? Because I'm ready. Natalie Nemitz was a 36-year-old woman when she passed away. Natalie worked at a Carmel. Alright, hold on. This is also going to spark a debate. I say Carmel. If you guys say Caramel, y'all are fucking weirdos. Just putting it out there. Alright? But Natalie worked at a Carmel factory in Starry Oskol, Russia which is in the Belgorod Oblast region. And she was working at a confectionery factory, which means she worked in a business that specialized in manufacturing and the name of that business was called Slavyanka, which is a factory that manufactures candy. And on one unfortunate gloomy day when Natalie was at work where... While she was working, 
she happened to fall into a vat of molten caramel where she was boiled alive. Probably one of the worst fucking ways to go. Like, I understand that once you get burnt to a point where you can't feel anything, that's probably when you're ready to go. But up until that point, that's probably one of the worst fucking ways to go. Alright? Okay, now her colleagues knew something was wrong when she wasn't at her station because they saw her earlier in the day. They knew she was at work, but when they looked up to see where she was working at, her spot that she was supposed to be at, she wasn't there. And after noticing this, they started searching for her all over the factory. And as they were searching, they came across this huge bowl where they mixed this caramel, this molten caramel. And when they came across this huge bowl, they saw two legs sticking out of it. So the other workers that found her, they rushed over to the tub where she was dangling out of. But unfortunately, they couldn't do anything until the tub of caramel was drained and that's when they were able to retrieve her body which kind of sucks I mean I understand that you can't go in there like because she's just covered in this molten caramel and if you want to know how hot they were cooking this caramel at it was at 212 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> oh that's hot that's hot. So this is really, really fucking hot. So it sucks that they couldn't do anything, but it was probably, you know, the smartest thing to do. And after she passed, after they found her, she ended up, you know, dying to the burns and everything. And she left her husband and her only child, a 10-year-old boy named Ivan to grow up without his mom. Now, I don't know from what is said, he went to go live with his aunt and I don't know if they didn't have a good relation, if he didn't have a good relationship with his father, which is kind of weird because they were married, so you'd think he would just live with them. But that was not the case. It didn't explain why he went to go live with his aunt but he went to go he went to go live with her and after this whole incident a huge investigation launched into Natalie's death they interviewed a coworker that found her and he said and i quote she was cleaning the bowl before caramel started to flow into the bowl and when she saw the caramel flowing in she quickly got out of there and when we found her she did not cry or make any other noise. And besides the fact that it was boiling caramel in the bowl, there are moving blades that constantly move and mix the caramel. So she really didn't have a chance, which is sad. And there are two Theories, I don't know why there's two theories, but there's two theories on how she ended up back in the in the bowl with the caramel. 
And you'd think there would only be one because of like CCTV, CCTV cameras and stuff like that. But there's two versions of how Natalie ended up back in there. The first version is that because of the high air temperature in the workroom, Natalie fainted somehow and fell back into the bowl. And the second version is that when she got out and she got back up to her little perch, she somehow tripped and fell back in. Now, this tragedy occurred on October 20th, 2017. And according to the locals, this was the third death that this, you know, plant, this fucking factory plant had that year. But details on the other deaths are alleged. There were, they didn't really release a whole lot of information on there. And it's, that's a little weird. But what's even weirder is that the management at the Slovakia factory allegedly threatened to fire their workers if they revealed any details to the news media and the press because they were trying to cover up her death. They didn't want it getting out. And we don't really know. I couldn't find anything on it, on why they tried covering it up. But the assumptions that I made is that they didn't want to get sued or have a huge issue. And they didn't want a Russian version of OSHA. If you live in the U.S., you know what OSHA is. And if you don't live in the U.S., OSHA is like this company that sets these safety guidelines for factory workers and warehouse associates, stuff like that. So that's what OSHA does. And maybe they just didn't want the Russian version of OSHA to come and do like a safety check on the plant. And maybe... They just didn't want Natalie's death to hurt their reputation. But who knows, right? But the details were confirmed by the authorities. So, it is out there. They were able to confirm this story. It's not made up. So, just want to put that out there. And that is the end of the first workplace horror story. Very sad, very tragic. It's a terrible way to go. I would not want to burn alive. I don't want to die painfully. I'd rather fucking die like any other way than either being like stabbed rep repeatedly or burning alive or drowning. Drowning would not be fun either. I feel like those are the three worst ways to go. Or you get sick from a disease or like cancer or something and then you're just because that's prolonged over a few months. You know what I mean? Or maybe a few years if you're lucky. No, I would not. Those would be awful. Right now, the second story takes place at a nuclear power plant on September 28th of 1999. And I'm going to butcher this. I think it's Tokamira, Japan, where 35 year old Hisashi Auchi worked at Tokamira nuclear power plant. Now, at this plant, they would convert uranium hexafluoride into uranium to produce nuclear energy. And at the time of this incident, this nuclear power plant was under a very tight deadline that was enforced by a Japanese nuclear fuel conversion company. So on this awful day, 
Hisashi and two of his other colleagues, Masato Shinohara and Yutaka Yokokawa, were pouring uranium into like this huge metal vat. Now, these nuclear technicians, by the way, their yearly salary, I'm speaking for the US, their yearly salary fucking shocked me. They don't get paid as much as I thought they did. Nuclear technicians in the US top out at like $117,000 a year. What? Which, don't get me wrong, it is a lot of money. That's a decent amount of money. But I don't think it is enough if you include like the health side effects that come with that job. You know, you're playing with uranium, just you could fuck up so bad and just, yeah, I don't think they get paid enough. I would thought, I thought they were at least getting paid like two fifty, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000. And on top of that, I assume you have to be really fucking smart with this shit because you're dealing with nuclear production, right? So it just baffles me that they only get paid $117,000 in the U.S., all right? Now, as they were pouring this uranium into this metal vat, they accidentally miscalculated how much uranium to pour, and this calculation would cause a huge fucking, like, like fucking, the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which I, is in this story, it's like that times like 40 with how much fucking uranium, not uranium, with how much fucking radioact radiation and just nastiness that was caused. So they accidentally poured 16 kilograms or for my American friends, 35 pounds of uranium into this mixture when it only needed 2.4 kilograms or 5.2 pounds. And after they poured the 16 kilograms of uranium into this mixture, seconds later there was a blue flash that engulfed the entire room and released vast amounts of neutron radiation and gamma rays. Now after this explosion, the plant reached a quote-unquote critical point, which is expected because that's a lot of fucking shit, and the plant was evacuated. Hisashi received the worst of it as he was halfway in the tank pouring in this solution when the explosion went off. Masato received pretty bad radiation exposure as he was helping giving the mixtures to Hisashi, but it wasn't as bad as what Hisashi got. And then their other friend, Yukitaka, he got exposed to some, but he was like, four meters or 12 feet away from where they were at and he was working at a desk when this explosion occurred. Now this explosion occurred at 10.35 a.m. And imagine that you just got to work. You're there for two fucking hours and you do something like this. Terrible way to start the day. Just awful way to start the day. And this nuclear explosion, this nuclear accident would be the worst nuclear accident in Japan for years and would be a torturous 83 days of living hell for Hisashi. Now, and you'll see what I mean with how much 
fucking radiation he was exposed to. Now, immediately after the explosion, Hisashi was falling in and out of consciousness. And he was violently vomiting, which would also be an awful way to go. I, For people that don't know me, I have CVS, which is a stomach disease. And if I eat something wrong, or if I have too much anxiety, too much stress, if I'm just freaked out, or anything like that. Basically, anything can affect my stomach, and I will be vomiting for an entire day, and it will not stop. So I understand what Hisashi is going through at this point. Like, this violent vomiting, I feel that. That shit hurts. Like, you could have nothing, and then once that, once you start throwing up that pure stomach acid, like, have you ever seen, I saw this picture, and it was of this guy's hands, it was gripping the toilet, and it said, because we've all been there, I know we've all been there, and it said, Lord, hey, it's me again, please make this go away, and I will clean up my life. That is me every time I get into one of these episodes where I'm throwing up. So I understand where, you know, Hisashi feels. And I'm pretty sure a lot of us feel that way too. And minus the violent vomiting, he was also suffering from extreme burns. Now, it's suspected that he absorbed 17 sieverts of radiation. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not totally sure. I'm not a nuclear technician or a physicist, so... I think it's Sieverts, but I'm not completely sure. Now, this 17 Sieverts is the largest and the highest level of any radiation that a living human has been exposed to. And Sieverts is a measure of external and internal biological exposure to radiation. This measurement was named after Rolf Sievert for his work with radiation dosage and his protection against radiation as well. And just to put into perspective on how much 17 Sieverts is, Hiroshima and Nagasaki survivors were exposed to 0.5 Sieverts. And emergency workers at Chernobyl were exposed to 0.2 Sieverts. And we all know how devastating the bombs were on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And we also know how awful that that nuclear leak in Chernobyl was. Because there's, I mean, they're recovering from it a little bit in Ukraine. But they still haven't fully recovered from it. And that was years ago. That was a long time ago. So imagine getting hit with 17 sieverts of radiation and you have you live with that for 83 days and if you're wondering how much sieverts it is to kill someone it's eight eight sieverts is enough to kill someone and this man received double that and lived for 83 days i don't know how we did it i know it was torturous for him but that is baffling to me now, after the explosion, he was rushed to the University of Tokyo's hospital where doctors were faced with the challenge of keeping a man alive who was practically skinless with zero white blood cells, multiple organ failures, 
and a destroyed immune system. And once he arrived and the doctors assessed the situation, they started pumping him full of fluids to, you know, make sure he wouldn't bleed out and stuff like that. And they performed skin grafts as they locked him away in a special radiation ward. And he allegedly leaked 20 liters of fluids every day. Which is also insane. And according to the local reports, when he arrived, he was bleeding from his eyes and his wife started to scream, he's crying blood. Now, the nuclear explosion and radiation fucked his DNA so bad that he started receiving stem cell injections donated to him by his sister in order to keep him alive. And on top of that, he was being fed painkillers and was put in induced coma on a couple of different occasions. And eventually, Hisashi became fed up with all this pain, all of this probing, all of this trying to fix it, that he begged for death to come and take him. He wanted it, he wanted it to just... He wanted to leave, and I don't blame him. I would want to leave from what this torturous nightmare that he's going through. Like, this would be awful. And at one point, he yelled at the doctors, And I quote, I can't take it anymore. I am not your guinea pig. And as the days turned into weeks, and the weeks turned into months, on the 59th day out of 83, he had three heart attacks within 49 minutes. And every time he was resuscitated, it severely damaged his brain and kidneys, eventually making him brain dead and putting him on life support. But thankfully for Hisashi, he would eventually pass away. His body would give up on him and he died on December 21st in 1990 and it was due to multiple organ failure. That would be awful. Like I like we know how powerful like how powerful nuclear energy is. Like God, I could, you couldn't pay me enough to do what they do. So, my hats off to them. That shit is insane. I feel so bad for what he had to go through. That would have been so awful. This is why I feel like euthanasia should be like legal in all 50 states. I think it should be legal across the whole world. If the person, like in Hisashi's case, if he is, you know, able to confirm that he's like, hey, I want to die. Just give me the needle. Like, that should be okay. Or if a family member is like, if he says, hey, kill me to a family member or someone, that should be fine. They should not get a murder charge or a manslaughter charge because that would be torturous. Like, I had a, this, it's kind of the same, but it's not the same. It, it's kind of the same story, not really with nuclear energy, but with, in the sense of euthanizing and stuff like that. I had a dog, and one day, unfortunately, it was really, really snowy, school was canceled, and there was a blizzard outside, my dad was coming home early for work. And my dog, my beautiful little black lab, she was, she loved the snow, loved everything about it. And one day, on that day, 
she was outside with my mom and my mom was shoveling snow and she saw my dad's truck start like coming down the road. So she got really, really excited. And as the truck pulled into our driveway, um, she accidentally slipped on some ice and snow and slipped under my dad's truck. And my dad accidentally ran her over. And I was, I wasn't there when this happened. I was out eating lunch with my grandpa and I got a phone call saying, Hey, you need to come to the doggy or the animal hospital right now. And I get there and I didn't know what was wrong with my dog. And I find out after what my parents told me and everything, cause it was, I stepped into the room and it was like, the energy was so depressing and sad that I was like, Oh, something's wrong. And I was waiting there for my dog to be brought back to me. She, once she came back to me, she was all drugged up. She had a little, little IV in her. And the doctor came in and said, hey, we can, you know, fix her, but it's going to be expensive. And on top of that, she's going to have to have a catheter in her for the rest of her life. And she won't be ever back to normal. And she's, you know, her pelvis is shattered. So she's just fucked, right? And my parents looked at me and they're like, Dusty, it's your dog. I know you love her. We all love her. What do you want to do with her? And as I'm sitting there, not really, I'm not crying yet. I was just like, oh, because I thought she was fine the entire time. I didn't know how serious it was until the doctor came in. So I was on my phone, like, smiling and, like, texting friends and stuff like that, laughing and stuff like that. Because I didn't know how serious the situation was. Because nobody told me. And my, mom, my parents asked me, hey, she's your dog. Um, what would you like to do? They, gave, they left the decision up to me. Which is, you know, a pretty big decision when you're 17. Like, it's your dog. And as I was thinking, sitting there, and I was thinking, well, I don't want her to struggle for the rest of her life. She's 13, 14, and I don't want to put her through a couple more years of torture. So I said, I think it would be best for her to put her down. And that's what, that's what that happened. That's what, that's what happened. And it's kind of like... That situation and that feeling relates to this. Even though it wasn't as more of a grand scheme of this, but if my if I was in Hisashi's, you know, situation and my parents and my family members kept trying to keep me alive, I would be so upset. I know they don't want me to leave. I know. I get that. But at the end of the day, this shit is torturing the fuck out of me. Right? So just give me the needle. Let me pass on. I really strongly believe that we should put euthan that we should legalize euthanize euthanasia. Some that word's hard sometimes. Euthanasia. Just because you don't I nobody wants to go through that. That is awful. That is awful. But I don't want to leave on a sad note. Okay. So those that's the end of the two stories. I hope you guys enjoyed them. They're, you know, they're scary because you never, you never know. You never know at work when something could happen to you. 
especially like me, I work in a metal shop. I'm with, I'm working with machines that could fucking crush my hand, right? So if one day the universe is like Logan, this is a hypothetical. This is not, this, I didn't do something like this. I'm just giving you a situation, a hypothetical situation. Like if they were like, hey, Dusty, you fucking like slapped a child six years ago. I'm going to crush your hand in this hydraulic press, right? It is so easy for the universe just to, you know, have you pay your dues if it's bad enough right then and there, right? And I don't want that. And it scares me thinking about that sometimes while I'm at work. Even though the safety and everything is, you know, really good and there, we don't have a whole lot of accidents at work, but we do occasionally get those one really freak incidents, right? Also, speaking of work, I might do an episode on this. I don't know. I need to wait for more details to come out about it, but a guy that allegedly worked at my work and he quit, he quit a few months ago. I don't know the guy, but he allegedly was forging checks and stealing money from his mom's account. And he got upset with his mom, not really, well, upset and scared because he didn't want to get caught and owe her money back because she kept asking him to see, you know, I want to see your, my bank account. Like, show me my bank account. I want to know where my money's at. So what he did was he killed her. He stabbed her in the neck and he chopped her up, dismembered her and spread her in like these tote boxes and spread her body along this highway on the west side of Minnesota. And it's a weird story. I'm not going to give you the whole thing on it now just because I want to. Well, I'll give you the whole gist. He like murdered his mom a year ago and he just got caught. On Monday, he just got caught on Monday, July 10th and sentenced to 40 years in prison, up to 40 years in prison on a second degree murder charge, which I thought he would have gotten a first degree murder charge because it came out that he researched online how to kill an elderly person without poison or like do it quickly. And he made up a whole story of what happened to his mom. He said that his mom got COVID. And when family members asked to go see his mom, because he said she was hospitalized with COVID, he told them, no, she can't see any visitors right now just because, you know, it's so bad. Her COVID is so bad. And they're like, oh, okay, whatever. And so, but he actually, so he actually killed her instead. It was just a cover up. And he also printed out, like, made up this whole thing. Like, he made, not like made up, but made this fake newspaper clipping of his mom's obituary with the funeral home attached to it. So, how he got caught was the feds already had him on their radar because of forging checks. His check, checks were bouncing and stuff like that. So, they were checking out, they are checking on him for the forged checks. And 
They knocked on his door and they got a search warrant and they're like, hey, we're here to search your property, your house. And he's like, okay, cool, come in. Well, they found that obituary paper and they noticed, not noticed, but they knew that, the, that his mom was missing for a really long time. So they called the funeral home, not the funeral, yeah, the funeral home where she was prepped. And they said they have no records of her and nobody remembers ever seeing her or anything like that. Like she was not here. There was no way she was here. Although we would have remember, remembered it and we would have had records of it. And then he one day came clean about what he did to her and he stabbed her in the neck. And it was, it's just a really, really creepy story. Really, really crazy that it happened to a guy, well, that a guy that used to work at my work was a killer and it's yeah it's just super super bizarre i'm also not telling you what where i work because i'm gonna keep all of that disclosed just because i don't want the company or any lawsuits to come against come against me so but one day i will tell you guys his name when more stuff comes out he has a hearing another hearing at the end of this month so maybe a month after that we'll maybe push late August where I will tell this story officially. So that also happened this week. And that was fucking crazy. It was like the whole talk of the town at work. It was so weird. But yeah, that's all I really got for you guys today. I hope you guys, you know, had a good work week. I hope you guys are having a good weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's episode on the Rando Nautica horror story. Something a little different. I know, but Rando Nautica for the past four years has always had really really weird stories if you want to go look up videos on it check out nukes top five and scroll back like four years and there are a plenty of videos on the stuff that like weird random nautical horror stories so really interesting on what they people have seen or urban explored using the random nautica app um, I have this week on Wednesday an episode that I featured on where on where the weird where the weird ones are is coming out on Wednesday. So look for that. Be on the you know, open for that. Kevin over there, he's the host. Amazing job. He did so, it was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. So go check out his channel and go check out the work that he's done. He's phenomenal over there. Um so hopefully, maybe, maybe one day we'll be good friends. So, but yeah, no, I really, that's really it. Um, I'm trying to think, oh, I bought my crypt, Crypticon tickets. I know I talked about that last episode. So I will be at the Minneapolis Crypticon. If you want to pop in, say hi, say hi. I will be there all day for the three days that it's going on. I will be there every single day from when it opens till when it closes. Um, Tuesday, same shit random fucking reddit horror story that i'm gonna find and share with you guys don't know what i am going to do on thursday's horror movie review i'm trying to think i might do maniac it was a 1981 film and it was shot as a serial killer being the main character it's it's good it's interesting you don't really see a whole lot of movies shot like that so i will i might do that one and then you know, same shit, Saturday at noon, fucking Rando Nautica Horror Story, and then, let me see here, I gotta look at my fucking clipboard, 
not really it's not really a clipboard i call it a clipboard but it is like a bunch of post-it notes with future episodes that i'm doing it's going to be on robert hansen forgot his story but it was interesting enough for me to write it down so we're going to be doing robert hansen next sunday all right so with that being said i hope you guys enjoyed your weekend and your work week um Let's just get through this week. Let's make a shit ton of money. Let's get that paper and let's go out and buy something. Have some fun. Go on a trip. Do whatever. All right. So remember, stay frosty, stay foxy. And most importantly, the most important thing, or I will put you in an episode. Don't you fucking test me because you know I will. All right. Stay safe. I love y'all. Deuces. (laughs) 